Good evening, everyone. We are back for another episode of Tempo and Flow Music Industry Talks. Um, I'm excited for the guest we got today. He's having a great hot run at the moment, but I've known him for a long time. Brilliant A&R, brilliant guy called Kevin Christian Blair. Um, yeah, man, let's get him on there and let's see what see if we can get him in. Let's see where Kevin is. Also, this is our 16th episode. It's amazing. We're doing really well. <laughs> but um, let's see where Kevin is. Let's see where he comes in at. Kevin. How's everyone doing today, man? How's things going? You know, send me a signal that you tuned in. Let me know what's happening. Ah, oh, yes, here we go. Let's <clears throat> see, can we connect? Is Instagram Live played up today? Also, this is a podcast. Yo, yes, the main man. <laughs> Bro, you're, the, you're the first person to get me back on Instagram. I deleted that stuff like three months ago. You're funny. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, man? I just um, enjoyed some time of just uh, off the old gram. Um, it's been nice, brother. It's been so nice. So. You've made me download it, man. That's cool. It's nice to be back. See what madness Wait, is going on out there. Wait, you didn't delete your page. You just deleted I the app. I d- yeah, I just deleted the app. So I could go on the desktop, but I just, I, yeah, the app was just wasting. I was just doing madness on there. So, yeah, it's cool, man. It's nice to be back. How are you? I'm all right, you know, bro. I'm all right. I can't complain. I feel like time's flying during this working from home thing. It's crazy. The year's done, basically, isn't it? It feels like that. It genuinely yeah. feels like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, but it's flown by so quick. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's been, it's it's been a, a very mad year. There's no doubt about that. Very, very mad year. Crazy. So let's get into it, man. How did you get started, Kevin? How did you get your career in music or your first job? You know, how did you get going? Do you know what my first... The first portal call has has to be the schooling at home. My da- my dad's a musician. Um, his dad was a musician, and uh, he's a piano player. My dad's a guitar player, almost like one man band, sort of Irish pub circuit sort of thing. Um, <laughs> which is just yeah. A, yeah, it's just my mum's Jamaican and my dad's Irish, so like they're two mad, very separate, different type of people, but come together. And my dad was just heavily heavily into music from his dad and um was never never like a, a massive artist or wrote songs but just basically did did gigs every single weekend um so he had all the equipment at home to set up mics to set up instruments and as a kid we used to just have fun with that and you know I'd be like Michael Jackson as a kid and pulling out moves and whatnot and he'll be playing <laughs> the guitar so the, the schooling definitely came from there. And I think the passion and understanding for, for music came from, from him. And that was my, 
introduction. Yeah. But, but I didn't really get into music until, I mean, like as as a career, until I tried a lot of other things. I tried stockbroking, I tried working in a gym, and I tried working in all these different. Like when I came out of uni, it was like, um, it was the recession. And I was like quite dyslexic and quite had a lot of difficulties with learning stuff. So like during that period, I was struggling to find a job and I couldn't find this perfect job. And I was really couldn't figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And I was like 21, 22. And I thought, do you know what, man, if you're going to be in this world, you're going to have to give it a go what you really want to do. And if you don't do it, that's cool, but you have to give it a try. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. 23, 24, I started working in bars and uh, working in bars that were like quite different and left-leaning for, for, for music, um, playing things from reggae to, to soul to funk. And I got a schooling on all these different genres where originally a lot of people were sampling stuff. And um, the, the people that used to play there on weekends used to just be such an eclectic mix of different music genres. It was never the same type of person that can be hip hop one night or a big yeah. reggae a Trojan records another night or a different independent record label or soul jazz record label. And so I got a big schooling in there. And, and from that, I started DJing um, and learned how to DJ. Uh, and I started off DJing there and just to mates, um, yeah. to wider audiences, drinking loads, you know, having lots of fun. And, <laughs> And um, and the first sort of label break was um, was working for a soul jazz record label, an independent one called Wawa Forty Fives, which is just um, run by a one or well, two guys actually. And I worked with them crazily for about seven months. Uh, you never guess how much my wage was at the time, but it was um, it was fifty quid, fifty quid a, a month. Can you imagine? Check that one out. A month. So, yeah, it was mad. It was mad. It was mad. Um, but do you know what? I learned loads. It was really cool. I learned loads and I outgrew it, you know, and that, that that's just part of the journey. Um, yeah. But it was, it, it, I learned loads. And uh, while I was there, I was radio plugging. I was contacting people at Six Music and trying to figure out if we can get re records on the radio and learning lots of industry communicative communicative skills i think um and it was it was it was fun but it just wasn't what i was musically we were quite different and i just wanted something a little bit broader i think in hindsight i can tell that um and i just started looking on this music jobs website and found this job at um uh, a booking agency um called industry music group and I started off as an intern within a within a day, but within a day or two, I had like JLS. I was the booking agent for JLS, and I was the booking agent for loads of DJ Spoonie and loads of mad stuff that I was, you know, way over my head. You know what I mean? I, you know, um, big up to booking agents, but that is a tough job, and that is a salesman's job. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, wasn't really my um, skill set. I think. Um, so I didn't stay there actually too long, but I, I learned, do you know what I learned from that was just like how tough things are for everyone to find your position in this industry and just yeah. keep trying again and again and again and, and, and figuring it out. And um, 
but that that didn't work out but it was a, a huge learning curve um and then I kept applying, you know, and I was probably getting to 20, 26 now as a, an age. I've tried a few things in the industry, but not really got the sort of break as a, as a like staple, amazing, you know, company or thing to work with or for. And, um, and I sent an email to every single A&R in, in the country that I could find. Um, and two people got back. We lost Kevin. Oh no. Oh no, we just getting to the juicy bit. Kevin, you gotta come back and join the live. That's crazy. There we go. We're getting back in. There we go. I don't know why that just dropped off there. <laughs> We're just getting to the juicy bit. <laughs> yeah, man. Just getting to the bit where... So, yeah. And I, I emailed every single A&R. A uh, bunch of people got back to me. Well, two people. One of them was Asylum. The other person was at Columbia. Um, I replied to both. And then I had an interview with the girl at Asylum who happened to be the uh, PA mm. for um, the head of Asylum at the time. And... She was like, there's no A&R position here, but this is just for you to be a PA to the PA. <laughs> so I just did odd jobs for her. She's a really close friend now, actually. And we're like really close, but I was doing everything, man. Like running around like a madman, getting sushi and all sorts of stuff. But for me, it was a starting point. And Asylum at the time had uh, Ed Sheeran, uh, Charlie XCX and Rudimental were really kicking off, like they'd become yeah. the the freshest act at the time. So who else? And they had Mahalia as well. So the label was super small. Uh, it was between Ahead, Ben, uh, Ed Howard, and um, Rada, who's an old friend, and myself, and in this PA, and that was it for the whole label. So it was quite a super small team. Mm. And I realized it was the best place to learn because I was able to, I was around people that were having huge amounts of success, um, um, had had previous success as well. So it wasn't like alien to them either. And they also mm. just had a very structured way of figuring out how to keep this thing moving. Do you know what I mean? That, that they knew how, how it works. Yeah. So it was an amazing schooling place, man. It was just the best to 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 be in that environment uh, uh, amongst those people. So I, st I started the internship and worked my way up from from there. You know, from an intern for, for almost a year and a bit to 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 being a fully fully fledged A and R to junior A and R to A and R to A and R manager. So that's really how the that's how I got into it. But it was a lot of knocking on many doors, man. Mad doors, a lot of doors. Yeah, like, I remember meeting you when you were part-time. And I remember, yeah. like, I was just like, yeah, you've got the persistence <laughs> and the hunger, like. And then I think the next time I saw you, you're like, yeah, I'm full-time now. I was like, dang. <laughs> like, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, 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 so a, it's, a, it's a magic. 
but it takes time man it's not if it happens too quickly i think for people um it will it can they can lose it pretty quickly as well because they don't really it's a bit of a surprise but i think if you figure it out over time you're a little bit more stable for when it does happen that you can keep it moving for longer i think yeah yeah so what was some of the first acts you worked on then like while you when you became an A&R uh, the very first act I worked on was Ed Sheeran, actually. That was the first wow. thing I... Yeah, it was the first... That's first amazing. Thing. Yeah. It, and I worked on Ed during the Multiply stage of it. So, and yeah. just generally helping out on every single level with it. Um, Charlie less so, and but definitely Ed was the first thing you know, even in the multiply credits is my name in there. Do you know what I mean? And that was a big Jeez. deal. That was a big deal. That was a big deal for me at the time. Do you know, it's not, not point to anything, but it was just like the fact that my name was mentioned on that album was wicked. Um, and that the, the family of Asylum really included me in that. Um, so it was good. It was, that was the first, yeah, the very first thing. And then what did you go on to do? Like what, what did you, you know, go on to sign yourself or work on yourself? Because I know you ended up having rudimental. Yes, yeah, so uh, there was a lot of change between Ben and Ed. Um, and rudimental were on the second album uh, and Ed needed a lot of help with the second second album anyway because there's just a lot of change. And Sorry, Anne-Marie was kicking off. Anne-Marie signed to rudimental's label as well. So all these things were in development and naturally, I don't know, like rudimental were a bit, you know, they're all different, four different guys from different backgrounds. I really understood what they were doing soulfully. I understood they can do pop and I understood they under the, the grounding within culture and making just quality music. Mm. So I think because it was a bit of the things that I really enjoyed, naturally I fell into that position um, even even more so than, than what Ed was doing at the time. I think he had loads of other bits. And so it was progression. And yeah, I just, uh, that, that became, you know, my act um, and just started working it from there. So they were the first, the first act I ever had real success with. And yeah, they were just, it just naturally fell into place. Sick. And, one thing I've got to talk about is like the song These Days because that song is incredible and yeah. I, know you, I know you put that together like we got to talk about that process because you know why I'll say this, I don't mind saying it I use that song as an example of a label working together because I mm. say to people like look you got rudimental producer artists on the label song written by that's on the label, features on the label, like, you didn't need to go anywhere <laughs> to get yeah. this, man, or to speak to anyone, like, talk to us about that, how did that happen, how did that song come that, about? That song came about, oh, it's like one of the maddest ones, but um, do you know what I would say though, man, always look at home first, because it's the <laughs> easiest place to, to get things done, because it's about relationships and it's about people. And other yeah. people might not know who you are, might not understand how genuine you are and might pass something off before even really getting to know the ins and outs of the artists. But so 
if you can ever use people within the label, it's really important. Um, so I heard that in an A&R, A&R session, which we do on it was Thursdays at the time, and we just all sit there and play loads of music. And Bryony Turner, who's by far the best um, songs person I've ever met, really, actually. Um, and she played the song, in his, which was just with Dan Kaplan at the time, and was like, this is a smash. And I heard it straight away and I was like, oh, can the Rudy boys produce on that and see, see what, what it sounds like? So it was just a piano riff, but it just felt classic to mm. me and then had a hint of like just other elements. It just felt very hit-like. So that was, the, that was the beginning of it. I gave it to the boys. The boys worked on it. They added a bit of pace on it, which wasn't there um, and which gave it a bit more sort of um, a slightly more contemporary energy to it. And this mm. song went back and forth for no jokes for a year. <laughs> it did, it did not, yeah, it went on for ages. It went on for ages. It went from rudimental, Mark Ralph was involved. Then it went from him and back and forth. And then um, Jess wasn't on it at that point. Um, Macklemore, uh, Henry from Black Butter got Macklemore on the record. And um, from there, Macklemore started having a hit halfway through that happened in America, which is a massive record called Glorious. So he was like double platinum there and was having this huge streaming record already. So I, I knew that putting him at the beginning of the record would, would give you the sort of international US play and would his tone was highly reactive at the time. Yeah. Um, so then there was that. And then Bryony, you know, Jess was on returning form and Bryony just believed in the song so much that she's like, I'm going to put Jess on it. Um, a lot of back and forths between everyone because there's four people in Rudimental. There's Jess, there's Macklemore, there's Dan Kaplan, there's the A&R team, there's management, there's everyone. A lot of back and forths. I mean, I did, um, I did 58 mixes in the end on that song. Which is fifty-eight, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is mad. Um, like the, the boys probably don't know that, but they, you know, it was so much back and forth. But putting it, yeah, and um, we put it out. But instantly, as soon as I put it out, I knew, I could see it was just trending in every single territory, and it just blew. You know, like straight away, everywhere, the US, Singapore, everywhere. Day one was just in viral charts everywhere. So there was something super magnetic about it that, that really worked. That's crazy. And what did it go <laughs> to be like? 800 million streams or something? Like, Yeah, no, it's, it's done um, a billion and a half, I think. It's triple platinum in <laughs> the UK. Yeah. Crazy. And it's platinum, platinum in the US and it's, it's, it's yeah, platinum or, plat or double platinum in most places. It's just a... It's just one of them ones, man. Like, whenever you get them, they just fly, you know? And what, what does that feel like? Because I guess that's... Quote me, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that your first bit of, like, major success on an A&R project you worked on? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, definitely. It was... Um, yeah, it was my first number one. And it was... It was number two for eight weeks. That was the mad thing. Because God, God's plan, Drake, Drake's God plan was number one for eight weeks at that point. 
and we got it on the ninth week when he dropped out. Nice. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a really, it was cool. It was cool, but I, I don't know if, I don't know if it really ever, yeah, the job is to have that, but it is also, it's more exciting for artists and the people involved and the, and the concept of like people enjoying the music. Mm-hmm. I didn't celebrate mass. I don't remember. I celebrated more recently for the, for the Joel one than I did for that one really, I, I think, because yeah, it was it's the job, isn't it? That's the, that's the plan. That's, that's what you want to do, you know? And then yeah. you've got to, you've got to find the next one. That's what, that's, that's, just the way it is you know and how how was that in the office was it that kind of vibe of like okay where's the next one <laughs> finding it because obviously you're you're around people and like when you you know and i'm only learning this now i mean when i worked for i worked at relentless and i understand shabs has had a lot of success but i guess working for people that let's be honest signed and have had success with ed sheeran must feel pretty crazy <laughs> like in that sense you know what i mean yeah definitely i i, um, I have the best teachers possible you know in terms of just that level of success yeah. that they've had they haven't had like ed sheeran on album one it's like gone to two it's gone to three it's gone to global mad success you know so i've seen how it's done and in some ways yeah, that, that prepared, that kind of, in some ways is like what I expect of myself is to be somewhere around that. Maybe not Ed Sheeran level of just constant global success, but I, yeah. I was around people like that. So I felt that I should be getting at some point these type of um, records and I, I'd hope that. And so it, it not in an arrogant way, but I just always felt that I was around good people. So I think I have enough uh, I've learned enough to hopefully maintain that and, and have some of the success that they've had. Mm. No, I hear that. And then, so Rudimental's doing well. You're at a nice point. You're feeling good. Where do you then go on to sign? You know, what's the acts that come on after that? So I think after that, I signed a, I signed a, a band at the time with Matt Chalk um, called Yonica. So I did something... My vision always as an A&R was to be someone that was able to do anything. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to try genres and sign exciting things and, and, and give that a shot. So I, I started off with a band called Yonica and then uh-huh. we went on to, I signed a couple of singles, if I remember, and pulled in some like... Um, like you know sometimes you know you have those international records that are moving and they were within the warner system and you work those records so i signed a few things like that um and all did pretty pretty well and uh in various different levels but um not to like huge massive success and then i signed uh a girl called keita alexander as well who was an australian and she um, she got pregnant, so and she was, uh, you know, basically uh, like six to seven months while we were in, um, while while we started, her, signed her, and her boyfriend is a famous surfer, and he had a massive accident, so that kind of went on hold, and was actually doing very well, but that that slowed down, um, and then I signed 
Ella for the for Rudimentals label. So that was their third, the second signing after Anne Marie. Um, and that was the idea was just to bring her back and just have an important vocal uh, out there. And um, so then I started that process, and then I, I signed a record called um, by a guy called Sam Felt, which is called Post Malone. Big uh, And then so that was that was platinum last year. And then after that, I signed Joel. Um, and then, yeah, then there's like a, a run of three Joel records up until now, basically. That's a man. And I guess yeah. it's it's good that we're friends because I think we were like the only two on Joel, if I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's, also, there's, sorry, there's one more person. There's Koji, of course, as well. Koji as well. Um, and that was done before Ella, I think. Or after, just after Ella. So, yeah. yeah. That's just like, it's all different acts, man, in different places, doing different stuff, you know. And that, that's my dream, to 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 be able to A&R people, different acts in different ways. Um, and then, yeah, then there's Joel, basically. And, yeah, you're right. Both of us, bro, you you, you made me you made me sweat, man. I thought I, I thought I had the deal done. And then you, man, Lloyd's coming in. I was like, what? <laughs> it's up, it's money, man. I need to close this thing. You heard it, mate. <laughs> you heard it. Yeah, so, I was on it for a while. Uh, you heard it, but I guess, I guess, before we get into Joel, we should. I'd like to talk about Ella Henderson actually, because I love her voice. Yes. Um, I literally love her voice. What was your thinking of that? Because the reason I'm bringing it up, and it's good to give people an insight that you know she's been around. She was on a very pop label. Um, she went on X Factor, didn't she? Yes, did she? Did didn't it? I think. I can't remember, but um, like she's been in a record deal and had an album out. Wait, is Kevin there? We lost him. Are you still there? Are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all right, cool. No, I was saying, um, had she been she, on X Factor? She was on X Factor. She didn't win it, um, but obviously had a huge, huge, huge record called Ghost, which was a massive international record that she wrote at 16, 50% of with yeah. Ryan Tedder. Um, so, uh, one thing I would say about Asylum is they always sign or try to sign artists that write their own music, because um, it always gives you a chance that that, especially if someone's had a history of writing hits before, it gives you some sort of chance that if lockdown happens, they can write a tune at home. Do you know what I mean? Or, or like, no matter what happens a hit or some sort of big record can come from them themselves rather than you having to always, it's good to get outside songs as well, but you all. Kevin, is he going to drop out? Oh, no, I think we lost Kevin. It's frozen. Oh, we lost Kevin. Kev, join back the live. Who we got in the chat while we're here? Right. We got a few people here, man. All right, let's get Kevin back. Uh, 
and that was like yeah massive again like how did what was the second one you know lonely what was that like well the first the thing with sorry i don't think anyone actually had the balls to cover that tune i think that's what that's the <laughs> difference everyone was like you can't touch that one no that, that one okay. that one's a classic but i think i think um Joel's an amazing, he's an amazing producer, but also an amazing A&R, and he has a great ear, really, like, incredible ear. And he, and knew, he did the clubs, he's out and about, you know? He's out, he loves, he loves DJing more than anything else, actually. He loves DJing. And um, so he understands what makes people move. Yeah. Um, and he just, he, lonely, he was like, this is the one. He just told me straight, this is the one. Um, yeah. And we, we, we argued a lot about la la la's and whether we should put them in or not. And I was like, try and make it cooler and do this. And, but he, he, we, we um, didn't have it in the first chorus and put it in the second and messed around that way. And one thing I did know, we tried so many vocalists. We tried like 15 different vocalists. Wow. Because I think what happens is, is like, if you have a hit, everyone's like go-to thing is like find someone with weight or you know presence and get them on a hit and all that stuff yeah and everyone you know every artist is is trying or even a and r but artists is protecting their brands and not really sure whether they should, it's going to work or not and everyone's unsure and i tried everyone and i just could not um beat harley's record it's an incredible tone um it mm. has it's it's like uh like a six to seven year old an eight year old or even five year old it's it's it speaks to them because it's quite childlike as well but then it has this depth of a of a like real soul singer like a like a mature person so it like hits two levels of who you would want your target market is and a kid can think it's like they're speaking to them and an adult could, the storyline and the the rawness of the vocal so the anthemicness of the, of the vocal so I couldn't beat it. And I was just like, right, let's roll with this. You've done one without a feature. Let's try a second one without a feature. And and, and it worked, totally worked. That's crazy, man. And then if that wasn't enough, you followed up a third time. <laughs> like, you're crazy, Kevin. Let's talk about that. Because <laughs> like, you know what? No, but you know what it's like. So you have one moment and everyone's like, okay, can you follow up? What's the, you know, and it's pressure for a and it's pressure for you. It's like, Everyone's going, everyone's almost looking after sorry, right? And then yeah. you hit him with lonely and you're like, all right, fuck you lot. Here we go. Another song. Stay well. And everyone's looking like, you know, okay, we second one's not so bad. Yeah. And then you come with a literally slap in the face. <laughs> um, like, take that kind of record. Like, how's, how's head and heart? How did that come about? How's that that, that was um, mad, mad mad fun we had loads of different records at the time that we were enjoying and that one came from rob who did lonely as well and he just sent it to me and instantly i was like it was actually like more of a techno record it wasn't a pop record really actually at the point but there was just the the essence of it was really cool and you know my mate joe Barr said to me like i played it to him and joe was like oh my god that is you personified in a soul <laughs> he actually said that to me and so Rob sent it to Joel and I backed it up and I was like Joel I, th I think this is really special he then worked on it and he again added some effort, naturally some energy into it 
yeah. and just turned it into like from a club thing which like probably wasn't cool enough to be a club record Do you know it was yeah. like caught in between there at the time yeah and then um and then yeah he just added some some energy to it man and um we had it for a minute and we were oohing and ohing about different bits and all this um stuff and what could be a feature and all different types of things and Joel just sent it to M&EK. I think he DM'd him or something. And straight away, M&EK came with a pre, pre-chorus. And straight away, is quick, man. You send him anything, he's like two minutes, boom. Yeah, straight yeah, back. Yeah. It's like he just gets, it just flows with him, man. He's just a natural in, in that sense. And then, uh, yeah. he, and then, yeah. And then we got that back and Joel was like, this is it. This is the single. This is it. I don't want to hear nothing else. <laughs> this is this is the banger. This is the banger. And even even Bryony was like, "This song's going to change your life." So like she said that to me, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And it was like, "Cool, that's that's the tune." Um, so, if, and just every person that I sent that song to just seemed to respond in a way that was, you know, just different to any other record I've ever sent. You know, everyone was like, "Yeah, I'll put you know, yeah, of course, no problem." You know, yeah. Um, even from the paperwork side. So it was, yeah, that was the, I've got to follow up again now. But you're being modest because that spent six weeks at number one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's mad. Yeah. Six weeks at number one, Kevin. That is yeah, amazing. Did you, yeah. Did you see, I guess, like, what was your thoughts when you're, like, you know, thinking about, because I asked people, that I've had number ones. I know, like, Rich Costello's in the chat. I've asked him. I asked people, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to have a number one record? Do you know what I mean? It's it's wicked, man. It's good fun. It's wicked. Um, I celebrated a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. It was, it was cool, man. It's, it's, it's fun. And you always... It's, yeah, it doesn't last super long, though, bruv. Like, you don't... This one lasted a lot longer because it was number one for six weeks. So I could bask yeah. in it for a little bit longer than one week. But um, yeah. yeah, straight away, you're already on the, the train for the next one. You know, it's like two, three weeks. And then you're like, OK, cool. Right. Let's get let's get busy again, you know. But um, it's a lot of fun. We cel- we celebrated together. We all went to the Neds with m and EK and we, we put it on the sound system and all of us heard the number one together and everyone. Every, all, the whole team was together when it happened, so it was really, really cool, really special, and friends, and it was a wicked, wicked thing. No man. So listen, you've covered a lot. You've it's been an inspiring journey. I always say we have a different uh, audience listening. We have the people that want to be artists and the people that want to be executives that do your job. So, what's your advice for? like up and coming artists you know or artists that think i want to be signed by this guy you know how can i get his attention how's he gonna find me what's your advice for those up and coming acts uh acts wise f- figure out what you actually want like don't 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 um i wouldn't waste you know you can spend a lot of time just not really staying focused on it and if you figure out what you want, what the endpoint is, then you can figure out the ways to get there. If mm. you're just kind of like everything and you, you or you, you know, don't really know what you do, you can't attract um, the thing that you want. So if you want to be the best rapper or the best underground rapper or the best, what, exactly what type of thing do you want to be? 
and then figure out what the steps are for that you know go on the journey of figuring that out i think that's the but if you don't know and you just want to be you know one particular you know something really random i want to be famous or you know i just want to be a rapper you're not going to figure out the steps to get to the place that you want to be it's such a broad thing so be very specific and be like you know i want a number one record so then how do i do that or i want to be the top hey you know i want to run a Atlantic Records, then okay, so that's that's the end goal. So how do I get there? Mm. Okay, and you kind of just touched on it because I was going to say for the person that wants to do your job, <laughs> what's your yeah. advice? Because I think your journey, as you've explained, has been one of persistence and determination and dedication. You know, um, what would you say your advice is to the person watching or listening? That's like I would I would be a CDA like him. Do you know what I mean? Don't be afraid to take shots and don't be afraid to do to get active and do as much as you can. Um, not everyone knows the answers, not everything's gonna work. Um, treat people with respect. And when your time comes, when you're around long enough or you, you figure it out yourself, you've got a good relationship with people that everyone respects you enough that they that they want you to do well, you know? And I think that's that's the only thing, man. Treat people with respect and just work really hard. You're not going to know all the answers straight away. Just go on the journey, you know? I love that. So we've got a question in the comments here from SJ Solist. Uh, for UK urban artists, what's the best steps to build streams when you release singles outside of playlist? It's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the toughest thing to, especially now is the toughest time to build streams. It's really, really difficult. What, one thing I would say is how do you collaborate? I think especially in black music, it's about conversation more so than any other music, I think. Um, and it's about how do you insert yourself in that conversation? You can do it by chatting and beefing you can do it in many different ways but making sure that you are active collaborating and making sure that you're connecting with as many people so that you're part of a conversation is the key to build anything outside of that because you can get in playlists just based off that but if your music's really good you still might not get in a playlist you know what i mean like it, it just the quality of the music isn't enough alone but the yeah. conversation and understanding where you're coming from and who your audience is within black music that's that's when you're going to connect and understand and then create a buzz around yourself okay great great answer there kev um we've got a question from rich castello here so he says, yes rich <laughs> as a black man that's managed to deliver in the dance world have you faced any challenges um with stereotypes of a black just doing street music have I? Uh, not from, not now, but I reckon initially, definitely people would have thought uh, he must be doing black music. Do you know what I mean? I think maybe even more <laughs> from a la from a label from a label side. You know, I think I think that's you know what it's like in the industry. You know, people people always want to put you in a box anyway. But from from the artist side and. The, the thing is with dance as well, dance is, comes from Detroit and comes from um, 
black culture. So, and disco and funk and all these things. It's everyone in dance is very open to that and pays homage to that and understands that probably even more so than rap, to be honest, you know, everyone recognizes that. So I never really felt it from the dance industry or managers or anything like that, but you sometimes feel it when you turn up at labels and, and, uh, or certain sort of A&Rs and people think that you're something and you're more diverse or doing different things than that, you know, but yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've, you know what? I've had a few of those, mate. I, I remember being somewhere and um, someone said to me, like, oh, my manager sent me some of the, my, my group's demos, but I know dance isn't really your thing. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, but do you mean it's not my thing? Like, <laughs> with, like, I was so, like, I was actually offended. I was just like, hold on. I managed a dance at Two Crazy Cousins. I like dance music. Your songs were just shit. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. That, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that. It's it's not my thing. Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, it's funny how people look at you and assume what your thing is. And it's like, hold on, I got AD. I've been going for five years. I'm out here. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what? Yeah, it's Chris. Yeah, it's weird, man. There's a lot of stereotypes that we as black people just face across the board. Um, yeah, it's 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 just part and parcel of it and it comes from every single angle and it's just part of part of being black man you're going to face it in every single <laughs> every single direction it's terrible um we got another question here uh the cold state says how do you balance life and music this is a very stressful lifestyle that's a good question uh basically i don't balance it man i just work all the time that's the problem that's the problem it's non-stop work life is madder than ever right now man it's 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 yeah i'm trying to keep my weekends to myself um trying to get away more and do other stuff but you're gonna end up working anyway you know i've got the more you take the thing is is you're always going to try and take on more you're always going to try and do more. You're always going to try and be more helpful. Um, so you just end up losing loads of time. You've got to accept it. And whenever you do get a break, Christmas or when you do get a holiday, make sure you switch off. Trust. That's the one time you've got to switch off. I was going to say, with a roster like yours, you must be pretty, pretty busy, but also, I guess, pretty busy listening to a lot of music, I'd say. Like, listening to, you know, demos and everything. Because, like, it feels like your roster, your roster is very dynamic and productive. Because I'm thinking, like, Ella Henderson must be writing songs all the time. Joe must be having ideas all the time. We never having ideas all the time. Like, how are you balancing it all? I don't know, Dave. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly no, you know, don't. It's a good question, because I, I had Joe Kennish on here, and, like, we spoke about Drew and Nipper. Like, I think he said to me... I know it might have been off the podcast, but I know he said for her second album, he probably went through over 500 songs across, like, three years. <laughs> like, it was songs, like, there were songs he was playing me that's like, yeah, I held this from three years ago. <laughs> it's just like... It's mad. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. And I think um, from my... The only thing I would say that's quite tough is, like, staying relevant you know, if, if Rudimental do a drum and bass record, understanding what drum and bass is doing now and not what it was doing five years ago. And if Ella's doing a pop dance record, what's pop dance doing now? 
and if Koji's doing um, a soul uh, record R&B song, like where does that fit within that culture? And, and having an overarching understanding of all these different pockets of music, that's tough to keep up with. That's the only thing I would say, like to keep sharp and fresh on all those things. Because it's easier if I just do dance. I, I know that dance has been uh, a fruitful sort of success area, but if you just do dance, you know, then it's like, that's the only thing that, you, the only one particular place for you to focus on. And it makes life a little bit easier than doing five or six different genres and understanding how they're moving in different ways. Fair. We've got a couple more questions there, Kev. You're popular, mate. All the questions. <laughs> um, G-Star says, which platform would you suggest to put music out on, YouTube or SoundCloud, and why? Uh, YouTube, for me, SoundCloud is just about the music. YouTube, you are able to connect with your personality. And that's through doing a video. But also YouTube does something really cool where it's like um, it's like an Instagram stories. It's, exactly, it's basically exactly the same thing. And I'm, now that I'm not on Instagram, YouTube stories is more than anything else. And it just becomes another that's sort it. of Instagram thing. So it's, it's, it's much better. It's much more... Um, much more inclusive and you can actually get a, an idea of what an artist is trying to say outside of just your song so youtube for me yeah that's fair and um, we've got a question here from mr david a class what's been yes the, dave <laughs> what's been the biggest challenge during the lockdown slash pandemic um biggest challenge as david probably knows as well is being able to play music and read a room. Um, I don't think you get the, at the moment, you're not getting the chance to kind of get a vibe out of people. You just play something on a Zoom and everyone's like, yeah, cool. You know, like they don't, I don't think you're getting the real honest feeling of what um, the music from your artist is, how it's connecting with people in the room. You just don't get that essence anymore. And that that's, that leaves you a little bit sort of blindsided when you put out music because you, you can sit there and gas yourself up if you think you're tuned and a couple of people tell you it's good and then you put it out and you soon realise it didn't work. Do you know what I mean? So you need an honest, like, healthy forum of A&Rs and people to be critiquing and understanding your artists and understanding what you're trying to do. So th that's the biggest challenge for me. Not being in the office yeah. and just play, playing music and getting a vibe out of people. Dave says, get back in the office. Do you know, I was, I was yesterday, no, yesterday, the day before I got in the office, but um, trying to pick up that Dell laptop, man. I want a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Mac. I'm not into this Dell laptop business, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, and uh, we got one, another question here from Rich. Uh, with all the hits you've had, are you still able to listen to music without dissecting it? Uh, no. <laughs> <That> is, no. <laughs> Do you know funny. what? My uh, my missus told me that the other day, man. She was like, "You're just you're just mad. You can't go into a shop. You can't go into a restaurant without talking about what this tune's done and how that hook's done that." And no, 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 no. Unfortunately, I'm way past the stage of not dissecting music now, man. Unfortunately. I think it happens to all of us, though. It, it, it's, it's, you no longer listen to music 
in a normal way. It's just not possible. It wouldn't. It's not in our nature anymore. It's not. It's not. Um, yeah, you just you just lose that. Unfortunately, that th- there might be some times where you hear something that's really different and probably yeah. not like what your job is. Something that just stands out. That's a bit different to your job, and maybe you don't dissect it. You just enjoy it in a different way. But generally, man, I'm just chopping up these tunes into chorus hooks and verses and middle eights. All right, and we got one last one here from G Star in the comments. Um, I have a Gary song which I think is a banner. Apart from sending it to DJs, how else do you suggest I should be pushing it out? Send it to Kevin. He'll send it to me. <laughs> yeah. right, first, first, first person, yeah. No, um, yeah, you've got to figure out a way. You've got to have it everywhere. That's the first protocol. Make sure you have it everywhere, whether that's um, Spotify, YouTube. You don't, you don't know where it's going to pop off. Um, try to have enough content to build around it. Um, if you can find a feature or someone that can add leverage to yourself, someone that has an audience. Um, and then outside of that, build the assets around it to make sure that it's attached to some sort of culture or something that's moving. Um, those are the simplest ways, man. And then the rest is up to the music or the rest of them. Oh, I get that, I get that. So there's a question I always ask everyone, Kev. He comes mm. on here. What would you tell your younger self? What would the Kevin of today tell the younger Kevin? Like, coming up in the industry, knowing what you know now, having had the success you've had, learned and seen what you've seen. Yeah, what would you say? Uh, probably... Do you know what? I just would have... Don't stress about any any of it, man. It's all it's it is um it is it's people's music, so you have a responsibility to do the best. But as long as you do your best with with what you have, um, and try to make good decisions for people, just enjoy just enjoy all of it because it's uh, there's a lot of po- now I'm getting into it a bit longer. I'm staying out of politics and all the rest of it. Like I'm I'm. Slowly recruiting out here into like a different. <laughs> yeah, but you've always sort of... been quiet, Kev. You've always yeah. they tried that with me. You've always been yeah. quiet. You've never yeah, been yeah. In, in the hype, and the yeah. drama. No, I've st- I've stayed out. I've tried as much as possible to stay out of drama and hype. Um, <laughs> and, and and yeah, just keep keep working and believing in yourself. And as I say, if you've got a goal, you'll get there as long as you keep refining your tools. Keep working hard. Keep figuring out why. What understand why that didn't work. Why that worked. Why you know moving in this direction now. Um, that was it, man. I just yeah. There's no there's no point in stressing in half of it, man. It's just it's just a, it's just a fun job, man. Wicked. Uh, G Star says, is Kevin approachable via email DM? Tell the people where they can find you, Kev. I'm not. I'm not on. Um... Uh, emails all day long. My, I don't have any DMs, man. My my Instagram's not no good here, man. <laughs> I've only downloaded it for today. But emails, emails best. No fair play, and um, I guess what I would ask, what's, what's next? I always ask people, what's next? We've obviously you can't tell us everything, but what's next? What's next for you? What's next for the roster? What's you know, what uh... releases coming this year? So with Joel, obviously, you know, 
can't say for sure, but there will be uh, ideally another release by the end of the year. And we're feeling like we've got a couple of options that we're excited about. So he's got some some stuff cooking. Uh, Rudimental is quite interesting. I have, um, there's a current record out with Tion and, and Anne-Marie that's doing quite well. And my position for them is just to be uh, a sort of like, uh, a, a like sort of niche quality music position where if you're a pop person, you need a bit of sort of culture or something interesting musical, you can go to them. And if you're an up and coming artist and you want to maybe be a junction between getting to playlists or not, um, they can be that. And so I've positioned them in a way that they're able to do that now. And yeah, you can have specialist love from Rudimental and you can have playlist love. And I think that that's the perfect position for them. I'm releasing four... There's a, there's a record on, that we're discussing with, with Defected at the moment, which is really cool, and another record um, with Hot Since 82. So a lot of club music, a lot of pop stuff. It's going to be really interesting. You saw they're in the studio with Ducks the other day. They produced the Nines records. So it's just going to be eclectic. It's going to be random as that's, that's my thing. I love all that. Yeah. Ella, I've got a record from her. Um, she's got a wicked other feature coming. Um, that that drops probably in the new year, and Koji, I'm working on an album, so it's going to be wicked. I'm 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 going to have him locked away. Last yeah. time he did it, last time he did a mixtape, he did ten tracks in seven days or something mad like that. So I look forward to what he comes back with. And yeah, man, that's it. Just grinding, getting all that music out. It's it's a it's a climate where you just got to somehow get the music out and let the let it do the talking. And what's next for you personally? Are they like, are they, what's your, you know, goals, targets? So do you have any or, you know, what are yeah. you for? Sometimes I look at um, my boss and I'm like, nah, mate, I'm not sure I want that. <laughs> <laughs> so I honestly, I just, I look at that job and I'm just like, wow, really? I'm not sure if I need that stress. Um, do you know I'm I'm working really hard and taking each day as it comes and I want to I want to do better I want to um, help my artists as much as possible um, I don't know what the A&R wise I don't know if, I'm not sure yet on the Atlantic, like running Atlantic or, 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 or a big label like that but um, yeah we'll see we'll see where it goes but I'm, I, I enjoy the job as it is do you know what I mean and I, I can't complain about that I, I love what I'm already doing, you know. Well, SJ says president, so you got to be here. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, future president Kev. And, uh, <laughs> Star says, "What's your email?" <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to type it in the comments, or do you want to say it? I don't know if you want to say it. Okay, I, 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 I guess I can say it. So basically, it's Kevin dot Christian Blair, and the Christian Blair is one word at Asylum Records with an S at the end dot co dot uk. And after you send it to him, send it to Lloyd.Murray <laughs> at watermusic.com. <laughs> Just in case he doesn't like it, and I do. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, man. Case, That's Not the game, case. man. That's the game. You slip, Kev, man. <laughs> when I'm watching you ride high in the charts, I'll be like, oh, man, I'm slipping <laughs> that day. No, no. Oh, but listen, thank you so much for doing this. Um, the hours flown by. You know, it's been yeah. a pleasure. Uh, it's been great to have you on, you know, when I was up for it. And, you know, this is also a podcast. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify. 
people can listen back and yeah man thank you very much for doing it thank you Lloyd thanks everyone else in the chat and um, yeah big ups man thanks a lot for this this is All sick right. see you later mate big ups guys see you nice later. man bye alright bye